I want to kind of finish up this text we've been trying to get to for three weeks now. Um, and it's in Psalm 92 that I want to finish up Psalm 23. The, the reason is that these, these words, what, what David said, and, and let me emphasize them again in Psalm 23, surely, and that's the covenant oath of God, Surely goodness and loving kindness shall pursue me all the days of my life. Now, if you go to the book of Psalms, you will find loving kindness all over the place. Uh, every other verse seems to reference loving kindness. It was absolutely central to David's life and to the others who wrote various other Psalms. It was the key word to their life in God. And it, it comes into the New Testament, as we see in a moment. But in Psalm 92, it, it's interesting how they put it all together as to how they lived. It's the most practical uh, <clears throat> verse, actually, about it. So let me read it, Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, the I Am, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night with the ten-stringed lute. That's a little bit bigger than your guitar, but it's the same neck of the woods. And with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre, for you, O I Am, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. And right there in the middle, to declare your loving kindness in the morning, your faithfulness at night. And I want to recognize this is the heart of it. And if we can get a hold of this, I, I am, it will transform your Christian life. And I mean that very seriously. Um, it begins by saying, give thanks. Give thanks to I am, which we in the New Testament know as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in the New Testament, this giving of thanks, it, it would take an hour by itself just to give it its proper place. But you might remember Ephesians 5.18 where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs given by the Spirit, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. That is central. He said, as, as a believer, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're overflowing with a divine joy. And you are, as you go through your day, in whatever circumstances you find yourself, in the process of giving thanks. And so what it says in Psalm 92 is carried over on steroids into the New Testament. Now, let's get this straight. When the Bible speaks of giving thanks, it has little to do with what we mean by that. When we say thank you, it is usually, if not always, in a response to something you've given to me 
or done for me. <clears throat> but in the Hebrew language and in the mood of the New Testament, that that's pretty well, I say never so. They had other ways of saying that. When it says give thanks, it meant give thanks not for something, but for someone. You, If you gave thanks, you were thanking the person for being who they are. It got down to intensely personal. And what what a person is, who they are, is revealed in what they do. But what they do takes you straight back to them as a person in the biblical way of using it. And so when we say give thanks, it's not merely saying sort of thank you to a remote God. To give thanks brings you to the immediacy of the presence of, of Jesus that I'm not alone. If ever the feeling of loneliness or aloneness comes upon me, then giving of thanks in the biblical sense brings me immediate face to face with the presence of Christ who never leaves me, never forsakes me. That's essentially what it's about. And so to give thanks, I say it again, it's not just saying thank you, you saved me. Uh, it's not just saying thank you for a you know, good day, whatever. Um, there's a place for that. But what we're saying is we are confronting, can I say? We are in the immediacy of love himself. And I cannot give thanks without that. I, I know I'm, I'm speaking to love himself. He's here. It is, we are standing in the presence of Jesus who says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not saying thank you that you rose again. I'm saying thank you, you are here. The dynamic presence of the Jesus who is alive. And in that sense, uh, he, he not only is here, but in the true sense, he is inside every one of us. And we are immediately within our very selves, as well as a group, we are immediately present to him. Um, and that's what it is, the giving of thanks. It, it is the awareness. It is being sensitive to the presence and with my whole heart saying yes to that presence. I'm trying to make a big difference here between we go to many gatherings and there's a lot of sort of praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know the person who used to cuss and swear, now they say praise the Lord instead. And um, it can be very annoying because it's a, it's a hollow thing. It's just hollow. You're You're just saying words. Whereas the biblical meaning is, this is a, this immediacy of presence and I am being drawn into that presence. And I wouldn't be thanking God that he is the way he is unless I was jumping into that. It's, it's myself being drawn in to the person he is. It's recognizing this union and the amen of my being to who he is. Do you get it? This is not just saying words. It's as if giving of thanks in itself is a current on the river that is drawing me into the very heart and being of God. Well, when you meet someone who knows what it really is to give thanks that God is who he is, 
you know immediately. They don't have to say anything. They're, they're not saying praise the Lord over everything. They just exude it. They, they are living in a presence and there is a thanks that rises inside of them uh, to the person in whose presence they live. And of course it changes your conversation. That's why you, you, you pick up on it. First of all, you think, what's different about this person? Well, the world is really, um, it, it has a, almost, I've got to be careful here, I don't want to put people down, but, but it's almost, I'll allow that, almost, um, a continual canvas on which they paint life is negativity, it's complaint, it's anxiety, all of which are, are, are words you couldn't use unless you had within you somewhere very deep declared the unfaithfulness of God. He's not, he's not, I, I can't trust him. I, I, I don't know if he's listening or not. I don't know if he's with me or not. And, and so that comes out in terms of complaint. We're, we're blaming God. According to scripture, your complaints are always addressed at God. He, he's, he's not. He's not cracked up to what he's supposed to be. He's not doing what I thought he would do. He's not as nice as I thought he was. And it comes dripping out of my mouth like poison, complaining, complaining. Uh, anxiety is I look into my future and I, I know God will not be with me. I know I'm alone there. And it's, again, a confession of the unfaithfulness of God. Uh, all those, it's all the negativity the expectancy of the bad, the expectancy, the, the person who sits back and says, well, it's flu season, I'm, I'm, flu season, I'm fixing to get it. Um, that, that might sound just stupid. It is stupid, but um, it's, it's much deeper than that. It's saying that he's not the one who quickens my mortal body. He's not the one who bore my sickness and my pain. He's not that. That's all nothing. Uh, I could keep going, but you get the point. Uh, out of the mouth of this world system comes the victim, whining, <sighs> fearful, all the other words. And here in the middle of it is someone who doesn't go there. And sometimes the, it, it's what they don't say because they're, they're not pushy. They're not religious nuts who are going to say, well, I know. Um, they just is who they is and they're in the presence and they don't say anything always but when you meet them you know these people are coming from somewhere where the rest of the world isn't coming from the rest of the world is blind to where they're coming from the rest of the world has got a different language because thanksgiving it it, it gives you a different conversation. It, it tones your words in a different way. In fact, it introduces words that the world has not really heard. And, and so when it says giving thanks, it, we're not talking about. It isn't that I'm someone that's always talking about Jesus. I am someone who is one with him I have said the enormous, excited yes to him, and I've flung myself in abandoned trust, like a little two-year-old jumping into your arms, in, in the absolute confidence you're going to catch them. And 
That's thanksgiving in all its various faces. It is launching myself into the fullness of God. Well, all of this, as I say, it's not words. Anybody can say words. But to do and to say what I'm talking about, you had to have had the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And please don't think that's deeper life. It's only called deeper life because the church has banned the Holy Spirit. And therefore, anyone who gets involved thinks it's out there. But in the church of the New Testament and the church that followed the New Testament afterward, the first four or five hundred years, the Holy Spirit was the very key, the breath, the oxygen of the Christian life. It, it was at the very beginning of the beginning that they were introduced to the Holy Spirit as the one who opened our eyes to this reality. That Father, Father God is love. And Son of God, God from God, Jesus is that love enfleshed and with us. And it's the Holy Spirit who is love dynamic, love in action, who opens our eyes and, and causes us to see what otherwise we are blind as bats. We couldn't even any idea that it was there. But the Holy Spirit does that. And that word is that hideous religious word, repentance, that we've long ago thrown down the toilet. And uh, we've replaced it with the Greek word, because there's a, a metanoia, which actually means a radical exchange of mind. I see things, I understand things. The Holy Spirit has quietly done that. And Paul prays for that, even for believers, because it's not one thing you repent or you have this metanoia mind change. It is, it's a moment of total, you'll never forget it in that sense. People say, you know, I, I got saved. You, you wake, woke up and you realize what a world I'm in. But that never ceases. I, I, I've been in Christ uh, in, in sense of awareness of him for over 70 years now. Uh, and yet still I pray that prayer, open my eyes, that I might see clearly. And, and, and so that is at the beginning of thanksgiving. Notice in Ephesians 5, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then gives the various expressions of the Spirit. But then it says, in everything give thanks. That is, it's connected to being filled with the Spirit. Uh, left to ourselves, we never go into go through life recognizing that he is intimately with us and is pouring his blessings upon us. We're, no, we, we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to that continually. And so what is thanksgiving? I mean, it is all I just said. But when you're doing it, what does it sound like? Thanksgiving is a speaking forth sooner or later. And speaking forth also with others. And therefore, when we gather like we do this morning or other times, even if it's a, a luncheon um, or just a get-together, our language, what we talk of and how we talk about things and how we see things and what we expect of the future and the present will 
give the game away. We are giving thanks. We are recognizing there's more here than CNN has ever dreamt. There's more here than Fox will ever tell you. You are in the middle of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as I say, you don't have to be a religious nut. It's just the way you talk and it's the way you see and it's the way you think and it's what you don't get involved in because you see more than the person around you. It's a Well, the word for this is confession. Thanksgiving is confession. And that too has been stolen by religion. Um, confession, even in English, go to a dictionary. Um, it's a Latin word, con, which means with, and fess, confess, it means to say together with. And so confession is not confessing sin. Confession is confessing who God is. We, we said it before, confession is not telling God about your sin. Confession is telling your sin about God. It, it is a total reverse um, because confession is saying together and primarily I say it together with God. I'm agreeing with him who he is and my mind is blown because I've been shown by the Holy Spirit who he is, his love uh, primarily and everything that flows from that. But then you've seen that too and so we say it together as Leah was singing a moment ago, then others sang with her. That's confession. We said it together. We went along together. And Siri's trying to say it together with me. But um, that's not confession, Siri. Uh, it's, um, no, it's that, that saying together, uh, together we recognize, together we acknowledge it and we say so. Or as what is it in the Psalms? It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't just have floating thoughts. Say it and establish it. This is the way it is. And that that's thanksgiving. It's a, it's a confession. It's a declaring. Did you notice that, that word, to declare? It was in the Psalm there. It's another way of saying thanksgiving. You are declaring I've, I've got news for the darkness. I've got news for the world. And that news is centered on who God is. So I declare it in, in ways where it is opportunity to do so. It, it means to put out in front so nobody misses it. It means to reveal, take the cover off, draw the curtains back, let the sunshine in. And you, you, you are revealing, you are declaring, you are putting out in front what you have learned from Jesus. Because he said, Matthew 11, no one knows the Father, which is amazing, because he is saying no one on the planet knows the Father except him. And he also said no one in the Old Testament had fully known the Father that's, that's, well, that's another, isn't it? That's another hour. Um, but he said he's the only one on the planet who knows the Father. And then he goes on to say, but also those that I share this knowledge with will know him too, which that's what it means to get saved. It's not you're 
going to heaven when you die. It is that here and now, there is the inner knowing, the metanoia. Your mind is changed. You see God the Father as he really is. And that's what we're declaring. That's what we're living. We're declaring it by the way we live. We're declaring it by our attitude to life. We're declaring it by our lack of anxiety. We're declaring it because we're no longer victims of life. That is, it's, it's, it's there, all of that. You see, this isn't a boring recital of facts. Just going through a long list of doctrinal stuff. This is heartfelt. You're feeling this. It's got a lot of emotion attached to it. I mean, you are declaring the best news the world has ever heard. And I say it again, you're declaring it by your attitude to life. You're declaring it by how you live. Not necessarily yakking over the table to your neighbor. It is living a life before your neighbor they've never dreamed of. That is full of hope. That is full of quiet faith that they they can't in in today's world especially in today's world uh, and so it, i say it's it's best news you're, you're not droning on it's 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 rising from within you like a volcano deep within and that's why if you notice when we read that text in psalm 92 he said i'll grab all my instruments and um, he names three of them that he's going to try and play all at once. He said, you know, give them to me, give them to me. And that, that's a man on fire. That's a man that says, I, I've got to let this out. That's thanksgiving. Um, actually, this word, uh, declare, that's connected with thanksgiving, was used to announce a special guest at a dinner party. You know, when you have a certain kind of dinner party there's someone who announces the guests as they come in and this was the word they used and, and so we announce it we, we've got the news we know what's going on and we live it and we say so it is remembering that's another big word that we've talked about before which is is not like our western remembering this is actually bringing the past into this present moment where all that the past was now is. And so to, to remember means that he is the I am. He's not the I was. He, he's the I am here and now and all that he was, he is, and all that he is, he ever will be the unchanging God he is now, he is here in this present moment as I walk through all the meandering tunnels of life. And so they expressed it physically, uh, which we are wont to do. Um, and I know just looking at the pictures there that you do it too. I mean, there's, there's hand raising, there, there's clapping. Um, you might even get up and do a jig. Uh, and some might think how, how terribly irreligious it is. Isn't that fun? It, it's so irreligious. We've finally stamped religion on the head because we go back to what the scripture says. Um, such a joy that is not only words, it's not only my life, but I actually get physically involved in showing it. And, of course, what we do um, this morning, the Eucharist, 
The word Eucharist is a Greek word that's never been translated. It, it means the great thanksgiving. And so that is, that is it. In the Eucharist, we meet the real presence of Jesus and we are giving thanks at many different levels. It is a good thing, he said. It's a good thing. What does he mean? It's appropriate. What else would you expect? You, how can I put this? When you meet someone that you love, you, you don't whisper in her ear, you make great pork chops. Um, you, you do not zero on something that you do. Do, do you follow? No, no, yeah, you're laughing too much here. You've got to remember what I said. Um, that that we, we don't, um, we, we are not essentially thanking him for what he's done, as if Jesus made salvation possible for us, and so thank you. No, we've gotten beyond that. We know he didn't make it possible. He is salvation. And we are now, as you would expect your beloved to whisper to you, that you are beloved because of who you are. And so we are, that, that's, that, it, and that's right, that's appropriate. What else would you expect if two persons are thus together? And, um, and so it says it's a good thing, it's very appropriate that you simply tell this Lord Jesus Christ and the Father in the Holy Spirit in every word you know. What an incredible, wonderful, beautiful, good God. It's becoming, you know, it, what's another word? It's fitting. It fits. It, you look right doing that. What else would you expect of someone that has seen so much? It's fitting. It fits you like a glove to be giving thanks to God. It's the right response to love who created you and will never leave you. And so the word would mean it's agreeable, it's a glad thing, um, it's joyous, it's an excellent thing, but also it, it means it's valuable, it has all the meanings, when he says it's a good, good thing, it, it has all the meanings of a treasure, of great worth, of great value. Do I have to underscore everything I've said? That anybody that can live like this, you are the richest person on the planet. I've seen more terror-ridden faces. I've seen more eyes above the masks, the, the sheer terror in today's world. And to be able to walk in the midst of that in perfect peace, in fact, in a rising joy, in the absolute confidence of his love, you're a rich person. It's a good thing. <laughs> It's rich. You, you have something of intense value. And it is right. The, the word there means it holds everything together. This is not a religious thing you do on the side. This brings your whole life together. To, to give thanks for what grows in your field, to give thanks for the God you meet in the kitchen, to give thanks for the God that you meet in the office, it brings it all together. It, and I must emphasize that, that this flows out of your spirit but renews your mind. You will be a different person mentally as you give thanks. Uh, it, it, 
it's for your emotions. Boy, I hope you get this, but that this Thanksgiving actually produces a chemistry in your brain that causes that sense of well-being and joy. That this this is this is dynamic. It flows out, and of course, I don't think I have to say it. We don't give thanks uh, to make an indifferent God notice us. I, I say that because of where I came from in my distant past, where they thought if you praise God enough, He'll do something, because you know He's counting how many times you said thank you, and now you've got the magic number. He'll do it. No, this is not a work. This this is not trying to convince God that He's a jolly good God. Uh, and have we bowed low enough? Have we groveled enough to tell you how great you are? No, yeah, actually, it's the other way around. He gave us thanksgiving so that we would notice him. Uh, rather, we would wake up. It's, it's not he needs to notice us. It's rather we need to notice him. And thanksgiving, as I say, draws you into the current, being drawn into the very heart of God. Um, so what is Thanksgiving? It's a matrix. It's it's in there that I realize this union. It's in there I live this life which is in the world but is not of it. It's a divine space. I think I like that. It's a divine space. I live in that space in, in which I am recognizing. And as I recognize thanks what an incredible God you are. Do you, do you ever thank God for squirrels? Because uh, there's a time I wish you'd take them away. But, you know, I was watching the squirrel the other morning from my porch and it was just doing somersaults right across this grass. Well, why did God create a squirrel to do somersaults? I think he was laughing with me. Um, he did it just for the sheer fun of making us you ever thought about that? The birds that come and sit on your window and sing to you? Um, you ever, have you ever thanked God and thanked the birds? <sighs> okay, I'll get off that. But it's the place of awakening. Because that's where we become fixed. You can think a lot, but it's when you say it. And you say it to the person and realize this is so. This is not a religious thought I'm having. This is so. And I am now thanking him for who he is in all these different ways. Um, this is so important in that this was the very first result, rather the, the loss of this, the loss of thanksgiving was the very first result of sin. This is, this is not just a little hobby that some charismatics have. That This is, well, let me read it. It's in Romans 1. And it's talking about the fall of man into sin. And it says, that which is known about God is evident within them. That, that God does not hide himself. The, the worst atheist has got to deal with the fact that he's got to deny reality. It's evident within them. God made it evident to them. 
For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, is eternal power, divine nature, they've been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Then, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Right there it says, now, now we see that the division here, what's happened to man? Well, it's going to take a long time to find out what's happened to man. But the first expression of the fact he's gone hideously wrong and he is in a deep darkness is he doesn't give thanks. That, that's amazing. It says, they didn't give thanks. Rather, they became futile in their speculations. I think the last six months we've heard the greatest futility of speculations of persons who don't know what they're talking about. Rather than sinking deep down into the God with whom we give thanks. And it says, and their foolish heart was darkened. Where there's absence of thanksgiving, immediately the vacuum is filled with fear, anxiety. They can't exist together. Thanksgiving and fear cannot exist together. Take thanksgiving out and fear fills the vacuum. Well, what's the content of thanksgiving? He said two words, loving kindness and faithfulness. Uh, that's what you're giving thanks about, that God is, by his nature, loving kindness. Um, what is loving kindness? It's a very difficult word to put into English. Loving kindness is better than your old Bibles. Go back to the King James, the original King James. They have mercy, which comes from the translation from the Latin of the Roman Catholic Church and that so misses the point it's like aiming at the moon and going off into outer space um, it doesn't mean mercy it may be there's the element there but th this is a word that is rooted in covenant that we spoke of when we talked about surely uh, covenant th this word is, is Actually, this word comes first in some senses. Uh, the persons who have come into this um, connection of loving kindness then determine to make covenant together. And then out of the covenant comes the fullest expression of this word. And loving kindness is good. It's good. Love. Uh, and it's not a human love, it is a divine love, a committed love, a covenant love that binds itself. Kindness is love, but it is love in its mode of being useful. I think we talked about that last week. Kindness is being useful. You, you are there just when the person needs you. And they do what just exactly what you need to be done. And as they leave, you say, there's a kind person. There's a kindness. It was something done in the point I had to say they were useful to me at that moment. And so it's love in coveralls. 
kindness is love in blue jeans. It's it's love doing. It's doing, not talking about it. And, and so love and kindness, loving kindness, it's it's as good as you get, because that's what the word means. The word in the Hebrew chesed is a word I say that's connected to covenant, and it is covenant love bound love sworn oath love that is doing what it said it's it's love actually at work performing all its promises doing it kindness it's loving kindness in many modern translations you'll find it uh, referenced as covenant love that's good uh, a binding love that's good it's it's all those ideas but what we've got to realize and one day i'll take the whole hour on this but the covenant how can i god does not has not made a covenant with us directly that's a relief because a covenant has two parties and a covenant can exist only as long as the two parties are faithful the one to the other can you imagine if god made a direct covenant with us we would have screwed it up within a week and that's why those dear people in many churches who think it is between them privately and god and that they having to get saved every week you know i know it's it's so tragic it, it's laughable sometimes but then it's too traumatic it's too terrible to laugh about that these people really believe it it's all on their shoulders so if i if i i get saved on sunday morning i screw up on sunday night i get saved again on monday it's and i suppose you would have gone to hell in on sunday night but it's that is so tragic Nowhere in the scripture does it say God deals directly with us. Because And why? It says because he knows us. And he says this is going to work. And if I brought you in as the second party, it wouldn't work. You would screw it up. So how does he do it? Right from the beginning of the, well, before the beginning, that intention that I've spoken of before between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that was their intention that God the Son would take hold of you and say, we will do this together. The New Testament calls it being in Christ, that he, now, and understand this if you haven't understood it already, God the Father we say God, but Jesus, the Son of God, is God from God. That is, he's not a separate God. Rather, he shares the very deity of the Father. All the Father is, he is. And he comes out from the Father. And when I meet Jesus, I meet the Father, except it's not the Father, it's Jesus. But I meet the Father. 
When I meet the Father, I meet everything Jesus is. Only the place that Jesus has as the Son of God, God from God, is to tell us what God is like. He's the Word. He comes and he tells us and he's the doer. And so, do you realize God is going to make covenant with God? The Father and the Son are bound in purpose. And what's the purpose? That the Son will take a hold of you and saying, I make covenant with the Father, you get all the benefits. But it doesn't depend on you being faithful. It depends upon me being faithful. Do you get that? They're nodding here. But do you get that? Do you get it? That I can't be faithful. Face it. Stop all your silly religious nonsense that I've got all the faith in the world. No, you don't. No, you, you, you can't. But what it is, Jesus is God who joined himself to us humans so that when we say Jesus, we mean the Son of God. God from God, who has actually joined our humanity and the Holy Spirit without measure upon him. And so in Jesus I meet the Son of God, and the Son of God is the voice of the Father. So I meet the Father, and I meet the Spirit, who is the very breath and dynamite of the Father and the Son. (laughs) And that one, that one, who is God inside our humanity says, I take your place and I will make covenant, but I'll do it as a human. So God came, got inside our humanity, and then as us made covenant with the Father. And you get the certificate to say you're in. It's Okay, do you remember Abraham... In Genesis 15, that's where a human covenant, uh, that that's all happened between the Holy Trinity, but that was shown to Abraham on a very earthy human level. You can read it in Genesis 15, and you'll understand why many people don't understand what's going on, because it's kind of confusing. Because God said he was going to make covenant And so he said to Abraham, you know how to make a covenant. People back then, as in third world today, they know how to make a covenant. And the animals were taken and cut in two. So there's a pathway of blood between them. And making covenant, you walk that pathway. And very walking in blood, you were saying, I will keep my word even if it kills me. I make this in blood. And... You, you rehearse to the person, you know, what you're going to do. And and it's shrouded. It's life and death. It's a covenant to life, but it's shrouded in death because there's no limit to which I will go. I will not go. I, I'll go all the way to death to keep this covenant if necessary. And Abraham made it. Well, now Abraham should have walked through the pieces of the animals and sworn to God he would keep the covenant. And justice is about to do that. God said, go and lay over there. Have a jolly good sleep. It's none of your business anymore. 
And he does. It says Adam, uh, Abraham went and he slept and he, in his, his slept, he had a divine vision of what was happening. Uh, and he said he saw this great flaming fire pot and, and it walked through the pieces, which is always a symbol of God. Our God is a consuming fire. God took Abraham's place and God entered into covenant with God. Only when they did so, it was for Abraham. That, Jesus said, thousands of years later, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Abraham saw what this is all about, that God has become human to take the place of every human, to be our representative. And when he, he cut the covenant in his own blood and carried us to the Father, that's the covenant. Why do I say all of that? Because loving kindness is the oath of God. And he can't take it any further. God became us in order to carry us to where he is. And he did so with a covenant oath that says, I'll die to keep it. Well, he did. And then it's a covenant in resurrection. I'm thanking God for that. Now that's rest. That isn't saying, have I prayed enough today to keep my salvation? This isn't, have I read my Bible enough or am I backsliding? This isn't, have I been good enough or do I need to get saved next Wednesday? You know, All that is gone forever. You'll never think about that again. You'll never think about that again. Because you're in this of the Father, your in Christ has been guaranteed by a covenant oath. Surely you're in, and you're in through nothing you have done. You're in not by your faithfulness, but by His. That's loving kindness at work in you today. That is, every step I take today, it's the consciousness, it's not me i'm not trying to earn this i'm not trying to work this it's not a formula this is the gift of god whose name is jesus and then the holy spirit is the one that is working this in my life so the holy spirit is the new testament loving kindness he's working this covenant out in blue jeans He's, he's right down there where we are. And of course, with that goes, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And I say that very carefully. We've got this idea of holiness, that God is like some Victorian lady who anytime people swear he needs, you know, Epsom salts under his nose or something because he's passed out. Or some ghastly God he can't even talk to. No, the God I meet in the New Testament, well, the God I meet in the New Testament, his best friends were the worst sinners in town. Really. That's why all religion was horrified at him, because he hung out with all the wrong kind of people who said all the wrong kind of things, who had the wrong kind of ambitions. No, the Holy Spirit, he never leaves us. But Jesus never leaves us, nor the Father. But the Holy Spirit's at work in us, applying this all the time to our lives. 
And whether the application is while you're cooking dinner or whether it's when you're working in the office, he, he never wastes a moment. It's, it's always there. Loving kindness. And, and, and actually in Psalm 63, David said, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. I'll bless you as long as I live. I lift up my hands in your name. What does it mean your loving kindness is better than life? Well, it would mean now I'm really living. This is better than just being alive. Or to use New Testament language, it would be Jesus saying, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. It's life on top of life. He said, loving kindness, now I'm alive. I have this inner relationship with the Holy Spirit and I'm living life in, in sync with the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching me lessons. He's opening my eyes. I'm wowing my way through the day. Other times, I'm the one doing the sharing. Where do I go here? What do I do here? But we're, we're, we're absolutely together in this. And so, loving kindness, it's, what shall I say? It's a never-changing love, unchanging it's the strongest love that could ever be in your life because he, it's an oath. He's, God swore an oath upon his own being that he would never leave you, never forsake you. You can't get rid of him. Okay, that's shocking, isn't it? You can't get rid of God. I can't stop him loving me any more than I could start him loving me. Is, am, unfailing love which gives us, then, that being the case, it gives us an assurance and a boldness that's unearthly. You, you never question, because it's not what you do or have done or promised to do. It is what he has done, who he is. And so you'll always find in the Old Testament, when it speaks of loving kindness, it speaks of doing loving kindness, keeping loving kindness, showing loving kindness. It's always action. It's an action word. The Holy Spirit, right now, take a moment to think about it. Right now as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is at work in you. And there'll be a word I say and all the lights go on. Say thank you. <laughs> Not to me. I realize that was the Holy Spirit doing that. And so, um, well, the other word is faithfulness. And the two words are linked together. Faithful, we've really spoken about it. They're very much together. Faithful means you never leaves, never forsakes. Limitless loyalty, utterly reliable. That's what it means in the Psalms when the Lord is my rock. It means immovable. He's always to be counted on. Never has to be questioned. Even when he's late, he's on time. <laughs> he was late when Lazarus was sick. They said, come and heal him. And he didn't show. But of course, he was right on time. Um, but anyway, uh, he, he's utterly... It's impossible for God to lie, you see. So that's my faith. You say, faith. 
My faith is resting on his faithfulness. See, I don't turn inward for faith. Faith is not inside of me. Because if you read, what is it, Dale Carnegie and a there's a whole bunch of do-it-yourself books out there, and they say it's this magic inside of you. But, well, maybe that's okay. But the, the Bible faith is, is not. I don't look inside of me for faith. Have I got enough faith? Have I got enough faith? The faith is your eye, the eye of your spirit. Right now, I've just started to remember I've got eyes. I'd forgotten about it. But talking about it, I now I think, yes, I've got an eye. My eye is so taken up with seeing that I don't think about it. I don't take my eye out to look at it to say, do I have enough eye? Um, my eye just does its thing. And I see faith is the eye of your spirit. It's the gift of God that you now can see Jesus and trust him and forget about the eye that sees him. Your faith is reliance upon the faithfulness of Jesus. Okay. He says we declare his loving kindness in the morning. I like that. It, it, it brings it down out of some ethereal, he says, over coffee in the morning. Declare his loving kindness. And, and I don't need to tell you, in the morning, he's saying daybreak, sunrise, um, or before anything else. Now, don't confuse this with some religious bondage that I have to read my Bible every morning. Um, no, it's not saying that. It's, it says, awake to the day with the realization of the greatness of God. Awake to the day to realize the covenant. And that's why I threw in there over coffee, because um, you can have coffee with the Holy Trinity and um, do your declarations and excitement of what the day holds because of that. What it, what is saying, um, before anyone else can do it, you name your day. You ever thought of it like that? The Hebrew people had a great deal of thought about naming. They said a thing didn't exist until it had a name. That was just the way they... But you, you name something and it has an existence. And when it comes to a day, if you don't name the day then it is a fleeting shadow. And, and you say, w w where did the day go? It was, I think it, I, I think I lived it, but it was, it had no name. I just, um, what, what he's doing here, we name the day by giving thanks for loving kindness and faithfulness before any, formation of the day we, we name it in order to form it it has a now a formed existence we gave it its name think about this um, it was the way the Hebrews named their children when my mother gave me well I guess my father too but um, gave me the name Malcolm 
they had no idea what it meant. It's just when you have a name like Smith, you need something of a name to go with it. Well, actually, it's very fascinating what Malcolm does mean. But um, what I'm saying is that you buy books of names. You know, watch names. Boy. There's no sense in our thing that I'm going to fashion that child's life by the name I give it. Whereas the Hebrews would look upon the name they gave as almost prophetic. We're now fashioning this child according to this name. And so we um, we almost name children by default. Or we name them by... Because even the name you've got, by the time you're six, they'll have given you a nickname that really is about who you are. You get it by default. You you fashioned the nickname by what you did. Whereas they birthed you with a nickname. They said, this is who you are. And um, it's interesting if you go to the book of Ruth. Naomi, if you've remembered Naomi. If you go through her family and the names they had, they all got their name by default. They obviously weren't named until they were about four or five years old. And then whatever kind of kid they were turning out to be, they called them that. Uh, whereas when you come to Daniel, and that's another story altogether, he, that's a, a, a war, a fight for their name. Um, Nebuchadnezzar called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were three of the gods of Babylon. And they refute that. You don't call me by the name of the gods. Um, Daniel, they called Belteshazzar which was the great god of Babylon. And he says, Daniel, um, God is my, you know, it, it's, it's big. And, and that's how they looked at their day. In fact, um, they began their day by anointing themselves with fresh, fragrant oil. I'm going in, sensing with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we set, the day we set the stage this is the way it's going to be and i can say it as boldly as that because i'm speaking from within the covenant god i'm not just making this up and saying shucks it would be good if that happened it's rather no i i'm speaking out from the god who has made covenant and says surely then i say amen surely this is the way the day shall be uh, and they did that. This isn't the only text. You go through the psalm, Psalm 59. He said, but as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall sing joyfully of your loving kindness in the morning. You have been my stronghold, a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. That is, he, in that case, he's saying in the morning. He's saying, this day the very strength of God will be mine. He looks out over the day. He says, this is what you've been before. Of course, this is what you're going to be. You, you are my strength and stronghold and refuge. Uh, Psalm 5 says, in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. <laughs> in the morning, I'll order my prayer to you. And then he says, all day long, I will eagerly watch excited as to how this is going to work out. So we receive the day as a gift. We receive this space of time as God's gift. 
And then, based on his covenant, we name the day. This might be a new idea to some of you, but um, let it sink in. It's by, by giving thanks in the sense of the last hour to talk about, it's like putting a flag on the day and say, this, this is where it's going to be. I'm not going to be kicked around. I, I mean, you get up and I'll say, have your coffee, but it's a matter of that stillness before the day begins. And don't wait till you meet, I won't say her name, but if if you meet her, if you meet him, they'll name the day for you. They'll tell you what a terrible day is going to be. They'll even meet you and say, you look tired today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's one in every house, you know, um, at least on every block. But do, do you follow what I mean? Someone's going to name the day. Someone is. And we ladies just go default. It's the way it is. And if it's, if it's not that, turn on the news and they'll sure name the day for you. Uh, and I'm not just ranting now. This is the fact. This is where we live. Rather, I now set the boundary lines. This is the way the day's going to be. This is it. This is who I am, and I, I declare it. I'm not going to let my feelings tell me who I am so that by afternoon I'm living my feelings instead of my true identity. Let's get this settled right from the beginning. Um, it's setting the lens. So I'm now seeing the day as God sees it, and I'm declaring it, not trying to make sense of it halfway through. It's that verse in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord should never be interpreted as being scared of God. In Action Webster's Dictionary, it defines fear as standing in awe, an act of worship. That's the essence of fear. And so the fear of the Lord, you are, you are meeting with this God right from the beginning. You're setting the tone and you are walking through every minute aware of his presence. That's the beginning of wisdom. Can't learn that in a university. And of course, as I said before, we live, okay, put it this way, we live on purpose then. You ever thought of that? We don't live on by default. We don't live just because we're alive today. We live on purpose. I'm alive and I live purposefully with intention. That's what it's going to be. Well, and we live in a world that names its day by its negativity. I, I don't really need to get into that. I think you... But how many people, over the course of a year, how many people, the moment you met them, they say in one way or another, it's going to be a terrible day today. I mean, I hear it. Um, how many... They name the months... Oh. They say, you know, I know it. I can feel it. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna get this. Um, and any crisis, they always assume and they name it in terms of a disaster. What? Why? Would be fun to to assume that God just might do some loving surprise. Um, name name the thing. I, I think you get what I'm trying to say. Um, 
name it by their negatives, their limited hopes. They, they, they have an energy field of darkness around them. So you can get into their conversation and be sucked into it. And before you know, you're naming your day by their misery. Um, it's, But no. Some conversations that go on, I can't stay. I'm sorry. I can't. Because it's not worth the, the energy field. It's, I don't want that getting inside me. Why, why have a battle over it? I'd rather just excuse myself. I can't handle that. And otherwise, just in our conversation, we don't go where they go. We, we, we are in, let's just say it's a casual way. Uh, this is not preaching. This is just looking at life through the the lens of the covenant that God has made in his love. And so we, we, we refuse to be drawn into what others name even their day, let alone when they try and name our day along with it. Um, and we give thanks before the day unfolds. And something happens then, and this too deserves an hour, in Psalm 50, 23, it says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving, which we're talking about, honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, that is, with thanksgiving, I will show the salvation of God. That's a very difficult verse to translate, and some great scholars have translated it um, in this way. Um, of the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and to such a one he prepares a way along which I will grant him to see the salvation of God. He says, you, you give thanks to God. In all the way that I've tried to say in the last hour, give thanks to God. And this verse says, then he will open up the path before you and grant you to see the salvation of God. One tra scholar translates it, I will grant him a rapturous vision, a rapturous vision of the full reality of my salvation. But then he says, and I'm sorry, I'm over time, but it's Christmas, so I've got to finish this. It says, at night, so that's what you do in the morning. It says, at night, I would declare his faithfulness, which I find interesting. The night is the sum of the day. Now we've, we've landed the plane. And um, he says, well, now you look back on the day, which also causes you to look forward to the next day, and you seal it up with the faithfulness of God. Night in ancient times was scary. The, the, it was never a positive time. The shadows, the darkness, their little tiny oil lamps is all they had. So it was a place of gloom. And, and they associated it with death and danger and, and demons, sickness. Well, we, if you're sick, it's usually worse at night. Time when thieves break in, you know, it's a negative time. You could say anxiety comes alive at night. Our um, 
flesh senses take over. We had the late, late movie playing in our head. The disaster of which we are the pathetic star going down. You know? But faithfulness is the oath of love. It is his sworn oath, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And in this oath, he never cheats. He never alters the language. It's, it never leave you, never forsake you, never change the original document. And well, this is where he arrived about this time last week. We've got to do a whole hour on this. But we've got it in our Western heads that God's deliverance, his loving kindness, his faithfulness, is that he's going to make all our enemies, puff, disappear. Go, gone. And, of course, the ultimate answer would be the rapture. When we have the exit escape, you know, and all those poor suckers who didn't believe, see, they're getting what's coming to them now. Um, that's the... That's the evangelical church's position. It's always escape, exit, and poof to our enemies. So I don't suffer, you say, I don't suffer. You try that. Come with me. Come with me around the world. Let's go to third world countries where I spent so many years. You try telling them that, no, there's no trouble. It, it, we, God delivers us out of it, out of it. Oh, no, no, you, you've mistaken the truth of God with the American dream. Um, no, he, he doesn't necessarily. He might. He's full of surprises. But normally he walks with you through it, which means you are carried to a level of, um, well, I, I would say peace that is unearthly. It's, and, and joy when you shouldn't be having joy. You in fact, you are celebrating this loving kindness, this faithfulness of God, but you're going through it. David said, yes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he didn't say I get raptured at the beginning, nor did he say that, you know, the valley of the shadow of death will suddenly disappear in an earthquake. No, he says, we walk through it. We walk through it. Put my feet on the cold earth. Go through the valley of the shadow of death. And as I said, when he wrote Psalm 23, it was under the most unspeakable circumstances. His own son trying to kill him. And that's when he says, I have a feast in the presence of my enemies. I thought they'd been puffed away. But no, in the presence of my enemies, you're giving me a feast. And this loving kindness, this goodness shall pursue me all the days of my life, whatever they are. So I just throw that in. Uh, understand we're going through, and we're going through in a strength that carries us. It's in the midst of the darkness that we discover his faithfulness. Lamentations, oh boy. boy. Poor Jeremiah, really, he did. I won't even go where he was lower than the pits. And in, in Lamentations 3.17, he says, My soul has been rejected from peace. Okay. Talk about, I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished. 
and so is my hope from the Lord. I'm done. Remember, oh, remember my affliction. Remember my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Okay, Jeremiah. (laughs) Then he says, ah, surely my soul does remember. This I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's the best way to get out of the depth of darkness and depression. Lamentation 3.17 Our temptation is to lay in bed at night and meditate on the unfaithfulness of God that everything's going wrong, I've no idea how to fix this, what will he do, what will she say, what will happen here. Do what Jeremiah did. Turn your whole attention to the loving kindness of God. Let the faithfulness of God be your pillow. Lay down and sleep in how great is your faithfulness. Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's... It's getting really late now, more than over time. So, the Lord bless you, and this would be the best Christmas present you can have. Father, we give you thanks in the name, Lord Jesus Christ. And we do bless all who have heard this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself shall be their teacher, their mentor, to open eyes and to bring us to this life in thanksgiving, anchored in your loving kindness, pillowed in your faithfulness. Let it be. Amen and amen.